Welcome back to Radicalize Me, the show about how activists got their start and how you can too. It's Thursday, June 4th, 2020, and as of this week, I think the word activist describes many more people than it did before, which is awesome. I originally planned to release this podcast once every two weeks, and then this country burst into fucking flames. Uh, Information becomes outdated like every two hours, so... I'm going to keep these coming as often as I can, so hopefully it can actually be of use to you. First of all, if you get tear gassed or pepper sprayed, what I've heard and read from the most reliable sources is just use water. All right, there's a lot of going around about fucking baking soda and milk and shit, and I'm pretty sure you just want to stick to water. Another reason to have water with you is that apparently the word out of Hong Kong is that if they throw a tear gas canister, you want to cover that sucker with a traffic cone and pour water into the top. And that kind of deactivates it. All right. I guess you'd need to have a traffic cone with you too, so <laughs> bring that. I actually saw people heading into a protest with a stack of traffic cones, and I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, I guess you got to just bring them. <laughs> I'm sure you're all aware I'm talking about the protests that have erupted all over the world, actually, in the past week, uh, sparked by the absolutely needless barbaric killing of George Floyd by a guy who has no business being in polite society at all, let alone in any position of authority. I want to give you a list here of um, some people you can follow, a couple of things uh, you can maybe read, listen to, um, that uh, can help you get a grasp on what's happening and how you can help. Um, I have to thank my wife for pointing me to a lot of these. the first one is the podcast, Yo, Is This Racist? Uh, it's a very good place to start to just, you know, add to your own list of people to listen to, people to follow. Um, there's a great quote that they quoted on that show. Um, and this was uh, Kulap Vilesak, and she is, uh, I think she's married to Scott Ackerman, and she's host of Billion Dollar Properties. Um, But what she said is, given who I am, what can I do? Okay, and that's that's sort of what we're getting into here today. Um, You know, don't feel like you've got to lead the revolution. Don't feel like you've got to, uh, you know, um, get tear gassed and pepper sprayed. If if you have a health concern, you know, I I have um, some health problems. Uh, that I have to take into consideration. You know, you got you to do what works um, for you. Do offer what you can offer. Okay, um, so then uh, something I want to point you to, and I'll, I'll link to stuff in the um, description, of course. Um, this is a Twitter account just called Lyd, L-Y-D. Um, her handle is the girl with the food, the girl with food, the girl with food, spelled how you think. Um, and, uh, she says at the start of this thread, it's great that y'all are contributing to bail funds, but many of them have more money than, than they can use right now. So thanks to your help. So that's great. Uh, but she says, I encourage you to also donate to mutual aid funds. They will help the people we're fighting for directly and especially necessary during the pandemic. So the thread will link you to Louise so the thread will link you to the Louisville Mutual Aid 
Fund, um, Richmond Mutual Aid Fund, Glendale, like the, you know, they've got one for any uh, place you can imagine. So go, go take a look at that. That's linked in the description. And then I'm just going to fire off a list of um, activists, writers, journalists um, right here that you can follow and see what they're saying, right? See what they're suggesting. See what you can learn from them. First one, Akila Lacey, spelled A-K-E-L-A-L-A-C-Y. And her handle is just Akila underscore Lacey, spelled the same way. Next, Ashley C. Ford at I smash fizzle <laughs> and that's just I letter smash fizzle uh, Brittany Packnet Cunningham who is at Miss Pacchietti uh, so that's Miss M-S uh, P-A-C-K-Y-E-T-T-I Dr. Ayana Elizabeth Johnson at Ayana Eliza and that's A-Y-A-N-A-E-L-I-Z-A. Clint Smith, at Clint Smith the third. That's just three eyes. Kimberly Rose Drew, at Museum Mammy. That's Museum, M-A-M-M-Y. Uh, and then there's uh, Desus and Marrow are, are always great, um, funny guys, and, and, you know, they're, uh, they, they come from uh, the Bronx. They're from a community that, that is directly affected by all of this. And their show is great. Um, so Jesus Nice is at Jesus Nice. That's like Jesus with a D and nice. Uh, the Kid Marrow is the Kid, M-E-R-O. Casey Gerald at Casey Gerald, C-A-S-E-Y-G-E-R-A-L-D. Um, good article of his to check out, which I will link to, is The Black Art of Escape, A New Vision for Black Americans, which was written in uh, uh, New York Magazine. My wife and I went to a protest near us on Tuesday, June 2nd. It was a pretty big march that culminated in a vigil. Uh, and it, it was good to be out there, good to show support, but it was also good to see what we're up against. Uh, you got to go out and see what the fucking police are doing out there. Um, just the, the amount of gear they're showing up in, they're not, they're planning on being violent. Okay. Guys, if you have any fucking doubt that the police are the ones escalating these events, listen really fucking carefully right now. They are. I saw thousands of people out there. None of them had weapons. None of them did anything violent. No one was talking about violence. No one was inciting a goddamn thing. Yet behind us at this vigil, the police had taken over a hospital for surveillance and I assume for potential temporary imprisonment of protesters. Uh, they were lined up with zip ties and batons and guns the national guard was there they had prison buses canine units on our way over to the park where this all happened we saw just a massive procession of police on motorcycles which I, we don't even know where those guys ended up like we we saw them drive past and it was like which part of this fucking thing are they going to be waiting at 
It's absolutely absurd. There's no fucking reason for this many police and National Guard and this much weaponry at peaceful protests. It's a goddamn joke. This country's been at war for more than half my life, mostly because of, I'm told, Saddam Hussein, a guy who gassed people, and Osama bin Laden, a guy who trapped and killed thousands of Americans who didn't do shit to him. And now here we are, almost 20 years later, and our police and military are fucking gassing, trapping, and killing Americans. What was the fucking point? And I know that police have been killing people for a very long time, especially black people. That's, you know, um, it's just this this all out. They don't give a shit. Like, they don't care who sees it now. They don't care that they're on camera. Um, they're, sh- they're fucking shooting journalists on camera. But they're rubber bullets, but fuck off. As far as I know, this particular protest that we went to didn't get too violent, but uh, I have an account here that was posted in my community group on Facebook. Uh, this woman was at the same protest, but uh, this is from a little after we left. Quote, all of a sudden, probably around 50, I'm not sure the exact number, could have been even more, but it was a lot, and felt like it went on and on, 50 cop cars and motorcycles came speeding up the road with no warning. Everyone rushed to the side of the road, and and fortunately, no one seemed to have gotten injured, but they definitely created a high-risk situation between the possibility that they could have hit someone, that someone could have fallen in the process of trying to rush out of their way, and the fact that it became much harder to social distance as the crowd who had been taking up the whole width of the road was suddenly forced to the side. Plus, it felt like an act of aggression and caused a huge and very palpable increase in tension. And my friend who had been on the other side of this protest at the time said that about 60 cops on bikes had rushed in front of them from the other direction. Sorry, had rushed in from the other direction. I can't even read. Um, Yeah, 60 cops on bikes. You know, I'm just realizing this as I read this, that that's probably where those fucking motorcycle cops ended up. I'm not sure if she means bikes like motorcycles or bicycles, but, you know, I assume these fuckers aren't bringing bicycles to this shit. Uh, End quote, obviously. I didn't... (laughs) I never ended that thing. Okay. Um... And this woman posted a video, too, and it's fucking insane, okay? A bunch of people walking down this this little road that goes through a park at 7 p.m., all right? There's no cars on the road. They're not not disrupting anything. They're in the middle of a fucking quiet park. It's a big park, too. This is near us, and we we didn't realize how fucking big it was, honestly. But we walked through the whole thing with the march, and, uh, you know, it's this time of night when there's still, you know, ostensibly a stay-at-home order on... with, uh, you know, uh, uh, phase one of reopening, minor fucking shit. But, uh, yeah, no one's out. Uh, there's not cars going down this road all the time. It's not a fucking highway or something. Um, no one caused any trouble. And they got ambushed by a bunch of cops for no fucking reason. Then this is the same story, one city after another. And this is what I'm talking about with this podcast. All right. You want to get involved so do it <laughs> look for these events on facebook like i know it's scary be safe of course 
but get out there and help us add some numbers. All right, the the there are very knowledgeable organizers behind all of these, okay? So I I know like the the information we get when it comes through the filters that it that it goes through usually um in this country, the information we get makes it just seem like it's very chaotic. And I'm telling you, any chaos is caused by the police, but also these are very organized things. Um, so, yeah, again, look on Facebook, look online. Like, you can find where these things are happening near you. Um, and just go with the organizers, okay? These are Black Lives Matter people. They're, they're just um, activists who know what they're talking about. And all you got to do is follow along, support, help, do what you can. You don't want to sit this out. Think about it. Don't be that person. When your grandkids ask you if, you know, if we get, if we get there, it, when your grandkids ask you where you were during this insane fucking year, make sure you can tell them that you were on the right side of history, not just with your words, but with your body and mind in the fucking streets. And now here's my interview with Yoel Bitran. What's up, man? Brother Joe. <laughs> Looking good, dude. It's quite a beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trying to go for the full Che Guevara. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Um, where, are you in Orlando now? Yes, sir. Yeah. Land of, land of magic. <laughs> Is it crazy there right now, or is it like is Disney keeping it locked down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Disney has like a paramilitary uh, death squads yeah. just roving the streets, just like dressed like Mickey Mouse, just like fucking shooting yeah, people. Yeah. They're the most brutal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, no. Um, Things are not as crazy here as they are in um, a lot of Orlando is like a smaller city. It's not a city, really. Uh, it's like a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. Um, and it does not have like, you know, like a large American population the way that our kind of traditional African-American cities like Chicago and LA. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so... Or- Disney was kind of the the ultimate gentrifier in in Orlando. They they like kind of they pushed everyone out, right? Yeah, I mean, also, I mean, it's I don't know, I don't know about too much about the, about the history, but I feel like in a way, it's weird because it's uh, Disney first pushed everybody in because it was like fucking nothing here. Orlando was a right. swamp. Yeah, that's true. There was nothing, and so like Disney just like made it a place. Right. <laughs> so crazy. Uh, and then people came here to work for Disney, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they control the whole town. Um, but, you know, so, so there's been some, like, stuff. Um, they, they, um, I was in the protest on Sunday where they went to the police station and just kind of yelled at them for, like, <laughs> we was like, eh, it was a pretty decent, it was a couple thousand people. Hmm. Um and they yelled the cops for a little bit, and then they took a they, they tried to take a highway. They they wouldn't let them. They blocked the highway, and then mm. late at night, 
is when they, they start tear gassing people. So yeah, uh, yep. It's it's so crazy. I, uh, did you see any of the videos from Philly yesterday? Uh, I saw you. Are you talking about the one where they they basically pen pen down this group of protesters like on this on this like on the side of this road or whatever, and they yeah. basically like so, like like uh, trap them. Yeah, and then just like fucking start tear gassing the shit out of them. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely amazing. I, I, it's just—it's all—it's purely punitive. It's purely punitive. Yeah, like the cops. This like the idea that this is like, uh, like all these like uh, all these like tools, all these like um, these like weapons, basically like tear gas and and rubber bullets. They're supposed to be like crowd dispersal. Right. right, they're supposed to be dispersing crowds. They're not. Right. Att- they're not even. They don't even give a fuck about dispersing. This right. is, there's nothing to do with dispersing crowds. This is about punishing, like making it painful for crowds. Yeah, like, <laughs> hurting crowds. It's hurting crowds mechanism. Right. So that people won't won't come back out. They're just trying to make it as painful as possible so people will stop protesting. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Um, how is how is this like affected your work um is is the like yeah i mean has it had any impact on on the labor organizing side not yet i mean i guess we'll see but um as of now the labor organizing that we've been doing is kind of in a weird place anyway uh, because of the coronavirus crisis yeah. where because like the workplace got shut down so right there's no workers <laughs> i mean there's workers but they're not working right. uh, so it's it's been a little bit of a strange organizing situation because we were in the middle of a underground campaign and we went public and then we were gonna win an election and then two weeks before the election the whole thing got shut down because people got sent home and so um, we've been trying to like, you know, keep keep the workers uh, active and mobilized and kind of mm. ready and trying to push for a mail ballot election, which who knows whether the government's going to give it to us or not. Right. Um, and trying to get you know folks to to stay hopeful, right? Uh, keeping our kind of our, our structure, our, our organization alive, and, and the relationships there and. Uh, we've been doing a lot of relief, mm. um, and and obviously because nobody else in Florida gives a shit, nobody's doing anything. Yeah. Uh, so we've been just giving food out to workers, like which is a lot, because especially in Florida, I don't know if you follow at all, but like the unemployment system in Florida is like. Yeah, I saw your posts about it. It like yeah, really is designed to keep them out, right? <laughs> It's just it's it's unfucking believable. I mean, they they have they have like modified the website five times since the whole thing started for the in the last two months because there's been complaints and complaints about how terrible it is. Yeah, like a month in, like Florida is like there's nobody's working in Florida because the whole fucking state is tourism. There's no tourism. Right. right. Nobody's. It's just like everybody's unemployed. So. Uh, especially in Orlando. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is happening in Orlando? Nothing. Right. So. Um, and so like a month in, like, like h- half the state is like on, on, uh, on a, trying to get unemployment, only 30% of all, um, 
uh, claims had been actually paid, 30% after a month. That's insane. Which means that there have been like 70% of the, of the people who had claimed unemployment have been waiting for a month with no money. Yeah. And then they've, they've like attempted to fix the website five times. Every single time that they've attempted to fix it, they've actually made it, which is just like fucking amazing. <laughs> It's just, it's just like they, they. I give the Florida state government props for just the, the, the just sheer magnitude of creativity and innovation of stupidity and incompetence. Yeah, they, they are. They have like done this in in a stupider way than anything I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, so, that's it's crazy because it's not like unemployment works great elsewhere. Like that. Right. It's, um, you're in Massachusetts, uh, you know, I, I don't know. The system works fine, I guess. Like I can go online and do it, but like right. it's, it's insane. Cause it's like, there's no, there's no set like guideline. It's not like, Oh, well, if you work under this many hours or get the, under this amount of money, you get right. unemployment. It's just like, I, I don't know what the fuck they base it on. So right. I, you know, I apply every week and it's like, you know, for the past month or so, I've been making too much money, but I'm also not like doing all my side jobs. Uh, right. So I'm not making like enough money. Right. Um, You're trapped in the middle. Yeah, it's fucking insane. Yeah. I mean, here in Florida, first of all, it's it's one of the lowest unemployments in, this, in, this, in the country. It's two, 275 a week. Wow. Without the federal money. Just for comparison, I don't know how much it is in Massachusetts. In Texas, it's five thirty-five. In fucking Texas, wow. Okay, so Florida is two seventy-five, so almost half as bad as Texas. Yeah, and that's the <laughs> maximum, right? That's like the yeah the highest you could get. That's true. Texas is like pretty pretty high up there. Um, oh no, I mean like so is the two seventy five in Florida is that like the maximum yeah, amount they can get? The yeah, yeah, that's, that's insane. I mean like uh, obviously we're, people are getting more because of the federal six hundred dollars right. shit, but but otherwise it's two seventy five, and so basically what that means is that if you make more than two seventy five in a week, you're not eligible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like if you're not if you're not starving. Like if you don't, if you don't have like fucking like um, like a serious like starvation like about to die, right? You're not you can't get unemployment, and even then but, you have to yeah. wait for six months to get it because it's like the whole thing is fucking. Yeah, and you've got to be working ten hours a week or something too. <laughs> yeah, it's like they set all these standards in like 1973 or something, and just never updated like how much money people need. Well, I think in Florida is actually worse. I think that they did update it because uh, they did actually. The website is relatively new. They updated it and they designed it. And they changed it recently. Yeah. And changed it to make it almost impossible to get. Yeah. It's fucking wild. Um. Yep. So, what? So, what is your position at um, at your job? Like, what what is it that you do on a regular basis? Um, okay. So right now I'm volunteering cause I got laid off from, from my union, but, um, like 90% of the membership of our, of our union got laid off in terms of the workers, right? Cause our union is, is, uh, 
hospitality, so hotels, casinos, mm. food service. So a lot of those, vast majority of those workers got laid off. So the union has no income, has no membership, has no income. So a lot of the staff got laid off, including me. So I'm, uh, I'm volunteering right now, doing the same exact thing I was doing, basically. Uh, but, but just volunteering. Yeah. And collecting unemployment. Um, so my position is organizer. Okay. Which is kind of like an all-encompassing thing in the in in our union anyway, um, but there's basically two kinds of organizers in our union, uh, and I've I've done both. Uh, there's internal organizer and external organizer. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, in a union, um, uh, broadly speaking. Uh, especially in, in unions that organize un, non-unionized workers that are, because some unions have given up on that okay. right? and don't really do that anymore. Yeah, Our union does that very aggressively all the time. And we are, we grow very fast. We, our union um, unionized 100,000 people, well, not 100, uh, 50,000 people in the last five years, 10,000 people per year have come new wow. people into the union. So, um, yeah, there's two basic things that union does. It ta- it it uh, keeps the people who are already members of the union organized and mobilized uh, in structures and organizational structures and committees um, and fights companies that the workers work for to fight for better contracts to fight for fight for safety at the job to enforce those contracts make sure the companies don't you know violate the rights of those workers. Um, and then whenever contracts expire, there's fights to negotiate better contracts, get more money, get better benefits. Um, and then, you know, you have strikes, you have different kinds of actions, you have different kinds of strategies. Um, and so as an internal organizer, you're basically organizing those who are already in the union to be strong, to, to be organized and to fight the, their bosses. Right. Okay. Um, either to get better contracts or to enforce the contract that they have. Um, and I've done that for many years uh, in D.C., in New York, um, in other places, Miami. Hmm. And then there's external organizing, which is to unionize uh, workers who are not in the union. Um, and we, uh, our union has a system um, that is pretty effective. Uh, I would argue probably in this country, with, this, with the law in this country and the culture in this country, the only effective way of organizing non-union workers which is an underground organizing method okay. um, uh, where you um, identify a workplace that you want to organize for strategic reasons or for different reasons. Uh, you build, a, you recruit an underground uh, committee of leaders uh, that represent different areas of the workplace, different groups. Um, you train them, you prepare them. Um, and then, um, you, um, set up a, a timeline of which once they're ready, once you have enough leaders that represent enough of the workers, um, you start to, uh, basically, uh, very, very quickly, uh, try to light a, light a spark, uh, from, from that basic committee that represents people of, of leaders to very quickly go uh, public because the whole, ideally that whole process of recruiting and, and, and training has been secret. The company has no idea what's going on. 
And then once you have enough people, you, you basically build the foundation. Then you go public. Everybody goes public all at once, or everybody goes out of the water all at once. They try to get a majority of their coworkers to sign up very, very quickly, basically before the company knows what the fuck is going on. And then by the time the company knows what's going on, it's too late because that group of leaders has already signed up and recruited a super majority of their coworkers, 60, 70% in the, in the ideal world. Uh, and at that point, the company can't really retaliate or fire people very effectively because they would have to fire everybody or retaliate against everybody. Mm-hmm. They can't. They can't pick on people um, very, very well because everybody's public together. Um, and then you file for an election uh, or there's different, there's other uh, legal ways to, to win a union. Uh, but, uh, you know, lately our union has been doing a lot of elections um, mm-hmm. through, through the government agency. Um, and that that's the uh, NLRB? The, the National Labor, Labor Relations Board. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, they uh, mostly suck, uh, uh, but they're, they're just to run and administer these elections. Um, and they're, they're, fair, they're pretty fair about, you know, counting the, counting the votes and doing that kind of stuff. They just take a long time. And yeah. They're kind of stupid about it. But, uh, and then once you, once, you get a, once you get a vote and once you count the votes and you get a majority... Yeah, there's a union, and then the company is obligated to start bargaining, and um, then you know the the workers become members officially, mm-hmm. um, and then usually an internal organizer will will kind of lead them through that through the process of bargaining. So what I've been doing for the last um, five years or so is mostly external organizing. So going okay. from place to place, city to city. Going to different different fights, uh, to to um, the different underground campaigns to to organize uh, non-union workers in, in strategic um, areas. Yeah. Are so? Are you um, responding to people like who are trying to do this on their own, or are you kind of seeking out and saying like, "Hey, you could unionize your workplace if you do this." Yeah. Uh, so I wish we lived in a world where there was so much um, desire and, um, or rather, because there, there's a lot of desire. Most workers, when asked in secret, when asked in surveys, say they want a union. <laughs> but I, I, I wish we lived in a country where there wasn't as much fear of unionizing, where the laws actually protected workers who are trying to unionize, uh, like in other countries, so that there would be enough people that want that come to us and wanting a union that we could um, build a union strategically just by responding to whoever wants a union. But Mm. that's not the case. Right. Right. The reality is most workers know uh, because their workers are are smart that even though the law in this country technically says you have the right to have a union. Right. Uh, It's basically like you have the right to have health insurance. Right. But it's like it's not real. Uh, and you have access to uh, it. You have access, right? You have the access to have opportunity to have a union. Uh, if you uh, happen to not get fired by your boss immediately, right. um, and so, but most workers know that the vast majority of workers know that uh, the law is bullshit, and that in reality, if you try to unionize, you will get fired. Uh, and they are correct about that. That is yeah. not a that is not a an, uh, illegitimate fear. It's a very legitimate fear. Uh, right. They are very correct in that. Um, and so most workers will not 
go out of their way and call a union and be like, hey, I want you to organize because that's not really most people are not willing to take that risk. Um, uh, And so especially because if you do it that way, you're basically uh, you're you're starting the whole thing. You're putting yourself as the leader of the whole thing. And so you're you're taking a lot of risk. Um, And so usually uh, 99 percent of the time we have done that. There are cases like that where there's enough of like, an organ like we had a case in, um, for example, the World Bank building in DC. It's a massive. Uh, they actually have like five buildings in Washington DC. The World Bank, um, and the you know this is like this sort of international organization that helps with poverty around the world and like they you know they, they fight poverty. Um, of course, we know that's bullshit, right? They're a <laughs> neoliberal machine. Right. Uh, but that's what the image is. And so they have all these fancy buildings in D.C. And they have cafeterias because all these fancy buildings in D.C., they want to have their own cafeterias. They don't want to have to get out of the building to go eat. They want to be able to eat right there at their workplace. Mm-hmm. They're very, very fancy cafeterias. Workers in those cafeterias were serving the food for the, these, like, you know, nice, you know, World Bank, you know, intellectuals were helping the world. We're getting paid fucking shit, just mm. like garbage. The company was, that was running the cafeterias was treating like for years and years. And so this guy who had been working there for like 30 years and was like basically like the leader of half of the workers there. Mm. Uh, he was kind of like patriarch figure. He called us and he was like, we are ready. We want a union. We, we already talked about it. We got people like ready to go. Um, and, uh, we started working with him. I, st- I actually started, what was the, I was the first contact. We started working with him and then eventually, um, we, we organized it. We actually unionized them. Mm. So that was like, well, that's what we call in the union world. We call that a hot shop. <laughs> um, that's the term is when a shop comes to you, the workers come to you cause they're hot, they're angry and something's happened, right? People don't come to unionize unless they're pissed off and something's happened usually. Right. Um, and uh, they came to us, and we responded, and we organized them. But 99% of the time, the, our union organizes strategically. So we decide, okay, we're going to go after this cafeteria. We're going to go after this hotel. We're going to go after this kitchen. Uh, we're going to go after this casino um, because of strategic reasons, whether because of the company in specific. We're trying to build power with this company, and we think that they're vulnerable in these ways or – um, there, there's like a big company in a city that has strategic importance. And so the, our, our union organizes to try to build strategic power mm-hmm. um, in specific cities, specific areas, and specific employers. Okay. Um, and so usually we decide strategically and then we go to the workers and we have all kinds of sneaky methods to try to reach out, reach out to workers without triggering the alarms of the, of the boss. Right. Okay. Um, so, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, so one thing was, and we talked about this off mic a little bit, but, uh, who, if, if someone does want to take that first step, how do they know who to contact? Um, cause I know like one, uh, one issue I had was I was like, I don't even know what 
industry my coworkers and I are in really. <laughs> right. It's sort of a weird like mishmash of things. Right. Yeah. No, it's a very good question. I mean, look, I think uh, first and foremost, I said I said this to you before, but I think I think it's very important for anybody who is actually seriously interested in organizing to know this. There is a bunch of big unions and some are bigger than others, but there's a there's a you know pretty much every industry has some sort of already big union, and most of these big unions are kind of unpopular with a lot of people, especially in the left, because they're massive, they're bureaucratic, they're kind of not super left wing, right? They're they're kind of part of the Democratic Party machine, and and mm-hmm. so, you know, not not the most exciting uh, revolutionary you know organizations in the world, but. Um, here's my point. It is possible legally for the workers in a workplace to just have their own union in their own shop, right? You work in a McDonald's, uh, and you want to have the, you work in the McDonald's and Times Square and you decide that you want to have the Times Square McDonald's union and that's it. Mm -hmm. It's just you and your 20 coworkers and you choose your president, you choose your constitution um, you, you write your constitution and you, that's, that's your, your whole union is just your workplace. That is a thing. It happens. It happened mm. in this country when unions first started. That's how they started. They started right. with two workplace based unions. And in many countries, that's still the case. Um, and so you could do that. Right. And, and even today, like people have done that, um, in certain cases, um, there was a, in New York, there was a famous case of like a bakery that tried to do it, um, et cetera. Uh, my, when people ask me this question, I always say the same thing because I really believe this. Um, the, the amount of leeway that companies have in this country with this current law to create any unionizing attempt is very high. They is very easy to crush a union organizing effort. Very easy. Um, the, the bosses have enormous power, basically almost, almost, Un, unlimited power to just crush the union, fire people, or do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. And so, I have ne- I have not heard of any union that is able to go after a company that actually wants to fight the union, right? Because sometimes you find companies who are just like progressive and they, whatever they're okay with the union. Very very rarely, though. Most cases, companies, even nonprofit companies that are like nice and friendly to progressive causes, right? Mm. Most of the time, they're not nice and friendly to unionizing to, right. to the workers having power and having more money. Um, and so, most the vast, vast majority of employers, if you if workers try to organize, the companies will fight them. They will fight them hard. Yeah. And I have not heard of a single case in the last ten years where a company has actually fought the union and the workers organized just with their own workplace and they won. Every single time they've gotten beaten, they've lost. And they've lost because the only way that you can compensate, that you can overcome this overwhelming legal superiority that the companies have over the workers is by having overwhelming numbers and force through the backup and the support of a large union, of a large organization Mm -hmm. that can threaten that company with, with lawsuits, that can threaten that company with um, with with public actions, with media, 
uh, that can makes it basically make it scary enough right. for that company to fight that those workers that the company will back down and just follow the law and not break mm-hmm. the law, which is companies break the law. They just break it right. because there's no consequences because they know the workers in the McDonald's and Times Square are not going to have the juice. They're not going to have the money to sustain a two two year long legal battle against McDonald's. So yeah. they just break the law. But if you have a, a union of 2 million people that has millions of dollars that can take you on, then you're probably going to think twice before really trying to crush the union in illegal ways. Right. So with that being said, if you want to organize a union in your workplace, my suggestion is you're serious and you want to win uh, and you don't want to have all your coworkers get fired, uh, is that you find a national uh union, a national organization, a big union that uh, is willing to back you up. And the way that unions work in this country is uh, by jurisdiction, which is a little weird. There's mm. turf, essentially. Okay. Um, which is a little strange for people because they're like, that's kind of weird. Why wouldn't people be able to organize in whatever union they want? But it's actually a good thing that there's turf uh, and that there's jurisdictions because that that, that the reason that, that that what I mean by that is unions are focused on specific industries, right? Uh, and so you have the steel workers union, and they mm-hmm. organize mostly steel workers. And you have the auto workers union, and they organize mostly auto workers. Um, and you have our union that has very clear jurisdictions, right? Cafeterias, hotels, casinos, industrial kitchens. And there's very clear lines. Unions know which what's their jurisdiction and what's not their jurisdiction, what belongs to another union, basically, right? right? And the reason for that is there was a time in the history of this country's labor movement where unions were fighting each other all the time over members, right? They were, like, oh, wow. fucking trying to, eat to, to get, get each other's members, and they would fight over a workplace. And there was all these kind of internal wars that was a massive waste of resources because instead of fighting the boss... <laughs> unions were fighting over turf. Yeah. And so and so to stop that, the, the unions in this country said, okay, let's not do that. That's fucking stupid. Let's just decide what's our jurisdiction. There's plenty of workers that need a union in these jurisdictions. And let's just focus on our lane. Let's focus on our jurisdiction. Right. And so to if you wanna if you wanna organize a union in your workplace, find a union that organizes in your industry and in your in your in, in that jurisdiction. Uh, that um, has organized similar workplaces that are already union, um, similar kinds of workers, um, and uh, reach out to them. Reach out to the local. Uh, every union has uh, chapters in, in cities in different states. They're called okay. locals usually. Yeah. Uh, find out what the local is in your city or state uh, and uh, reach out to them. Now, to, to, to your point, there's because of uh, we're in the 21st century. There's all kinds of workplaces and industries that are kind of unclear, nebulous, right? Mm-hmm. There's online apps. There's gaming workers. There's right, basically emerging in new industries or types of workplaces or types of jobs that are not traditional union jobs. And so they're not really part of any jurisdiction, clearly, right? Like, um, you know, like what you do, right? It's not 
I wouldn't say that there's an obvious, right? Like, I don't know if there's a good example of unions that are organizing your type of workplace in a very clear way. Right. And so then when there's not a clear jurisdiction, you have a little more of a choice, right? Yeah. Um, like, for example, grad student workers. Mm-hmm. There isn't a union, a national union, that is a grad student workers union, right? Because okay. traditionally it wasn't a union job, right? I mean, traditionally it wasn't even considered a job, right? <laughs> Period. <Yeah. laughs> so um, the what's happened with grad work, with grad student work, which is as, they are, as they've started to organize in the last 10 years, is that grad students in different universities basically pick and choose whichever union who they who, are, who is interested in grad student workers, which is a couple of them, and they decide which one ba- makes more sense for them based on what the local in their city is. Is it, is it good? Is it strong? Do they have good examples of campaigns that they've seen that are like legit? Uh, so if you are in a workplace or in an industry that is not like a traditional union industry or workplace, that there isn't a lot of like unionized workplaces similar to yours, then gives you a little more freedom to, you know, look around and kind of shop around different unions. And I would just say, look for the, look for the locals in your city just because a union has a great local in California doesn't mean that their local in Philly is good. Right. This is just, this is just true. Yeah. Right. There's good locals. There's bad locals in every fucking union. Nobody can tell me this union is universally better than all the other ones. Bullshit. Every union has great locals. Some unions have more great locals than others. Yeah. Right. But I would say every major union in this country has amazing locals in some cities and terrible locals in some other cities. <laughs> Right. And so look for the local. Don't look for the international union or the national union. Look for the local and see what kind of stuff have they done. Have they been successful? Are they are they strong? Do they have power? Do they go do they do cool campaigns? Right? Are they are they right? Are they the real deal? So uh, choose a union that makes sense for your workplace, either because it's in a clear jurisdiction or based on the union that looks the best to you. Um, and then reach out to them and see if they're willing to back you up. And then once you find a union that's willing to back you up, uh, then you're, you're gonna, the work starts and you'll start to do the underground organizing. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, if, if anyone from my company is listening, uh, that was just an example, uh, <laughs> of course. But uh, Hypothetical. So, yeah. Um, so are there industries that like can't or shouldn't be unionized for some reason. And, uh, what do you think of like, um, what? Oh, okay. Well, that was going to be my other. Yeah. That was going to be my next question is, uh, yeah. What's the deal with police unions? How do you feel about that? Um, they, um, they're terrible and they should, well, this is my personal opinion. This does not represent the views of my organization okay. or any organization. So with that disclaimer being there, uh, personally, I, uh, humbly think that they fucking suck and they should be abolished. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think that because they're not going to be abolished, obviously because the cops know that they need the unions help them because they're, breaking the law all the time, so they need rules <laughs> to defend them. Um, that, unfortunately, um, the police unions in this country are affiliated with um, the 
kind of traditional, all-encompassing federation of unions, which is the AFL-CIO. Okay. Um, and the police unions have been accepted as part of the labor family uh, in this country. Not just in this country, in other countries too also, by the way. Um, but, you know, not every other country has a police force that is a militarized ter- terrorist uh, organization. So, you know, different. Um, but in this country, they are part of the labor federations. Um, they are considered normal unions. Um, okay. I do not think that they are normal unions. They should not be considered unions. Right. They are not unions. They mm-hmm. are uh, gang protection uh, organizations. Right. Uh, they um, are uh, legal entities that, yes, fight for higher wages for cops too, whatever pensions, but mostly what their function is is to defend cops as they terrorize and brutalize the population and help the capitalist, the capitalist class uh, oppress and exploit the rest of the working class. Right. Uh, so actually the way I, seriously though, um, uh, the way that I really uh, uh, see uh, cop unions for me, is that I think the right way to understand them uh, is they are essentially scab, scab associations. Right. So scabs are traditionally workers. That's the term used in this country for workers who break unions, right? When the union is on strike um, and the company wants to keep the factory going or whatever, they bring in workers outside the union to break the strike. Those are called scabs, right? Mm. They are. It is the word, a very nasty word used to describe essentially workers who uh, are against the interests of the union movement and, and, the, and the, the rest of the workers of the working class and that are traitors, essentially, to the working class. Uh, and cops are traitors to the working class. They are the, uh, the, the uh, minions, uh, the acolytes um, of the bosses and right. of the, the ruling class of this country. They always happen. That's their function. Mm-hmm. Uh, their function is to defend property from the working class, is to, to defend the power and the interests of the boss. And these are these scabs, cops, uh, are associated. They have their own little scab associations that protect them and allow them to do scabby things like break the law and kill people with, uh, with legal protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not fucking unions. They're not part of the labor movement. They don't right. fight for working class, right, for, for workers' rights. They don't fight for the working class. Um, and they actually do the opposite. They fight against the working class. Uh, and so the idea that we would call them unions, first of all, is fucked. Mm. And we should not call them unions. Right. They are not fucking unions. Uh, and second of all, the fact that they would be affiliated with the traditional labor movement in this country, I think, is a travesty, and I think it's 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 uh, outrageous. And I think that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of calls from the labor movement today, uh, right now, because of what's happening, calling on the AFL-CIO to um, uh, to 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 eliminate that that relationship and to to take it out of the, the federation. And I don't right. know. If that, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. For the same reason that. Democratic mayors let the cops do what they want because cops have a lot of social, cultural, political power. Right. Um, yeah. It's, um, it's like a smokescreen to, you know, uh, kind of pretend that cops are at all like 
on equal footing with the rest of us, which is just not true. You know, like managers don't have unions they have the fucking company that's right. like that's right. <laughs> the, like that's right i don't know if the, does the military have a union not really no, right it's illegal. That's, it's illegal it's against the law yeah and in fact in a lot of countries it's a, it's against the law for cops to have unions really of course because they're they're state agents right they, they, they didn't they just do what the state tells them to do they're right. they're 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 they're, 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 paid, they're paid guns they're mercenaries what's yeah the union it's like the mercenaries union. Like you, right. you go and you shoot people for a living because <laughs> the state tells you to. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> You're not a worker. I right. mean, not not in the political historical sense of the word. I mean, mm. like every time there's been a worker movement, a labor movement, uh, an attempt by the working class to fight against the boss, who are the ones beating their heads in? Right. <laughs> who are the ones defending the cop, defending the boss, defending the factory, breaking the strikes? Yeah. Killing workers. Yeah. Killing workers. Not just here, everywhere in every country. Yeah. It's the cops. Right. So to then be like, actually, you are one of us. It's like, <laughs> what? Where? Right. What? What, where, what universe? Right. Only when it's convenient. Um, I guess. So, oh, yeah. Well, so um, there are other like public sector unions like postal workers transit workers, that kind of thing. That's different though, right? That's like, or, uh, I mean, I would say so. Cause that's like, um, you know, they're still state based, but those are just workers. right? <laughs> that's right. I mean, like I would say if you want to think about it, like more, more theoretically or whatever, it's like, there are workers who perform basic social functions. Right. We essentially work for us. They work for the people. They work for the working class. Right. And, we're, and we're told all the time that that's what police do, even though that's just not. That's right. Yeah. But they don't. Right. That's the distinction that we have to we have to be able to make. Right. Yes. Technically, they get paid by the state the same way that a nurse that works in a public hospital, a teacher that works in a public school. Uh, a driver that works for public transportation, they get paid from the same place. They get paid from the municipality, from the from the local government. Right. That's the only thing they have in common. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the the bus driver but drives workers around so they so they can live. Right. The mm. nurse takes care of workers so they can survive, so they can have health. Mm. Right. The teacher teaches the working class so they can have education. The cops. Beat the shit out of the working class <laughs> to protect the boss. They have not just different functions. They have opposite functions. Right. They are on opposite sides of the dividing line uh, of, of this struggle. Mm. Uh, so if you believe that there's such a thing as class struggle, then clearly the police are on the other side of that struggle. Historically, yeah. this is not just like, I'm like, I think they should be on the other side. They are right. actually on the other side yeah. because every time <laughs> that these two sides fight, the police makes a choice on which side, yeah. which 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 direction to shoot the bullets on, mm. and they don't shoot the bullets towards the bosses. They shoot the bullets towards the workers, yeah. and they are protecting the bosses. So they have made a decision. The police has made a decision yeah. historically <laughs> to be on the side of the the, the 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 boss and the the ruling class, and to be directly against and in violence uh, towards the working class and, and direct opposition. Um, so that's not the case for bus drivers or nurses or for teachers who perform 
functions that are crucial for the working class and that work for us, actually, uh, and who happen to get paid by the state. But like politically, and what, what really matters, which is where they stand in the class war, teachers are some of the most um, <clears throat> crucial pillars of the, of the historically of, of the fight against capitalism everywhere, uh, of the fight against uh, uh, neoliberalism, uh, um, nurses, uh, bus drivers. I mean, these are the pillars of the working class of the, of the fight of the class war, uh, right? Everywhere. So, very, very not only different but opposite. I would say that they're opposite in many ways. Right. Yeah. I mean, and we see those choices being made now. As much as there's been plenty of photo ops of police kneeling and shit, and I, you know, I, I'll believe it when they take off the riot gear. Um, but like. Yeah, it's like then you see bus drivers refusing to take people to jail. You know, <laughs> like that's that's uh, the, the those lines are much more clearly drawn than people want to see. So there's part one of my interview with Yoel. Um, this was uh, actually on the shorter side for the, the interviews so far. Um, but uh, the part two is actually like a, a full episode. It's like a huge thing. Um, yeah, we just kind of kept going and going. He's a he's got a lot to say and um, he's an interesting dude and good to talk to. Um, so look out for that uh, very soon. I think in the next couple of days and uh, next week I'm gonna release um, my episode with Chris D'Agostino from Sunrise Movement. Uh, the environmental group that's pushing for the Green New Deal, another um, environmental justice items. And they are, of course, uh, working to support the current racial justice protests that are happening all over. So uh, get out there, be safe, be smart, and I'll talk to you soon.